0: Welcome to What The Tech, brought to you by ProServe IT. Dive deep into the world of technology and uncover the mysteries behind some of the most trending topics in the IT realm. This month, we're venturing into the vast landscape of infrastructure, shedding light on the bedrock of modern digital enterprise. Today, you're tuning into the second episode in our infrastructure series, and it's all about migrating to the cloud with Azure. If you've ever wondered about the triggers that push businesses to the cloud, or how shifting to Azure can refine your cost strategy while maximizing efficiency, this episode is for you. Stick around as we peel back the layers of cloud migration and give you a first-hand look at the transformative power of Azure.
1: My name is Mel Kastner, Solutions Architect with ProServe IT, and I'm going to be taking you through today's session. From an agenda perspective, we're gonna talk a little bit about economic pressures, Azure benefits, migrating to Azure. So we talk about economic pressures. Many organizations are trying to determine when it makes sense to explore the possibility of Azure and try to determine where it may make sense within the business. Over time, we've seen there are a number of different challenges that often arrive that can trigger this type of a conversation. It may be a good opportunity for you to explore cloud as a potential solution. Data center contract expiry, so if you've just wrapped up a three-year or five-year contract within a data center, this can be a fantastic time to explore cloud to see whether it's maybe a better solution than renewing for the existing contract that you had. Business continuity, If the needs of your business have evolved where you now need to look at a disaster recovery scenario and such. That can be a costly venture to deploy a DR solution in a second office or in a second data center location. It can be a large capital investment for infrastructure we hope to never actually need. Azure can provide a much easier, more cost-effective solution. Cash flow challenges. So again, given the last couple of years that we've had, everybody's familiar with this. Being able to take things like move from CapEx to OpEx and stuff can be hugely beneficial. Cybersecurity, this can be a constant challenge for organizations trying to keep on top of the latest cybersecurity components and be able to deploy the technology required to support their business. These can be great candidates for Azure as well to help augment or support the business. Rapid scalability. So for web apps and infrastructure, one of the nice things with Azure is with a simple reboot, we can double our resources on a VM or allocate additional memory and IOPS and such to a SQL database and such very quick fashion. So we don't need to worry about how fast or slow our business is going to grow. We can respond in a very timely fashion. And then budget and resource constraints. Again, similar idea to CapEx, OpEx conversation. Being able to actually focus on your needs today is hugely beneficial rather than worrying about down the road. So how does migraine to the cloud help? So I've touched on a couple of these already, but one of the biggest ones is moving from CapEx to OpEx. So one of the challenges that we often see is if you have your server infrastructure and your storage infrastructure that's up for renewal, for most organizations, when they're looking to buy that net new infrastructure, they're trying to pre-predict what their growth is gonna look like over the next three to five years, depending on your refresh cycle. And that can often be a challenge. And you need to pay up front, you buy all that infrastructure, you hope that your forecasting is reasonably accurate and that you're going to grow along the line that you anticipated, but obviously we come up with unexpected issues like COVID that can dramatically change what our business is going to look like over time. So being able to focus on CapEx and just worry about paying for what you need today rather than trying to pre-predict what you're going to need in the future can make a lot of sense. Enhancing your security posture one of the nice things with Azure is because everything is tied into a common management console, there's a very familiar look and feel to the deployment of any of these Azure cloud services. And so for organizations that look to deploy new security solutions, rather than building from the ground up, having to worry about hardware and operating system and patching and software installation and such, in Azure it's just very easy to do because a lot of that foundational information is already there and you're really just running through that install process. And then scale. As i mentioned, with traditional hardware, we're typically trying to pre-predict what our growth is going to look like. And If we were to have done that in 2019, chances are through 2021, things would have been very different than we had anticipated. With Azure, because with a simple reboot, we could double the resources or quadruple the resources, or half the resources of any particular virtual machine. We really don't need to worry about what our growth is going to look like and what our business is going to look like in 6, 12, or 24 months. We really can focus on what the needs of today are, pay for what we're consuming today, and then regardless of what rate our business grows at, we can be very responsive with that easy reboot to add those additional resources. When we talk about migrating efficiently, there are a couple things that we want to keep in mind. So first is cost optimization. One of the strongest recommendations that we have for customers looking to explore the possibility of Azure is to conduct an actual Azure assessment of their existing on-prem environment. We've had numerous conversations with customers who, when exploring the possibility of Azure, have taken a look at what their existing infrastructure looks like on-prem, replicated that in an Azure world, and they're shocked a little bit at what that cost may look like on a month-to-month basis. But realistically, for most organizations, that's not reflective of their true Azure cost. Often the virtual machines on-prem are underutilized. And while that works in an on-premises environment where you you have the resources at hand, in Azure, we need to be a lot more cost conscious. In Azure, it's important to note, whether you're using 10% of a VM or 90% of a VM, you're always paying 100% of that VM cost. And so right-sizing your environment can have a huge impact on what your overall costs are going to be from a consumption perspective. The other benefit of an assessment upfront is it helps you migrate with confidence. It helps ensure that you don't miss any of those key elements that you need to take into consideration as part of your planning. Further to security, so whether you are an Azure only environment or Azure and best or Azure and on-prem or whatever that scenario is in those hybrid environments, there are solutions within Azure to help support that type of a disparate environment and provide common level of security across a number of these. And then scale as mentioned, you can be very reactive with Azure. I said with a simple reboot and so maybe an outage of a couple minutes at most, you can easily come back with, again, double resources, quadruple the resources, whatever the needs of the business are and be very responsive to changes within the market. When we look at different ways to optimize cost, we've got a couple different options available to us. So during our migration phase, we do have an Azure calculator. So I talked in the last slide about having an assessment done. This is something we can actually engage Microsoft to assist with, but the TCO calculator is another mechanism that you can use to determine what your costing in Azure would look like, take a look at some of the additional cost savings benefits that are available and help figure out how that factors into your costing and to help you build that business case. Azure Migrate is our tool to really migrate everything from on-prem or any other existing source environment into Azure. And Through our process, again, we want to make sure that we're right-sizing those Azure resources. We don't want a machine running at 10 percent utilization in Azure, because the cost is going to be way too high. We need to be able to right-size to ensure that we still have sufficient headroom for a bit of growth, but with the understanding we can quickly reboot with additional resources, we want to try and keep this as balanced as possible. Azure Hybrid Benefit and Reserved Instances. So Azure Hybrid Benefit is where you take your existing on-prem licenses with software assurance and apply them to Azure. And this can provide significant cost savings. Again, it is important that it's only licenses with software assurance that this is applicable to, but by default, when you spin up a virtual machine in Azure, a Windows virtual machine specifically, as part of that per minute billing cost, there is licensing components built in. So, if you're a Windows VM, that Windows license is being charged as part of that per minute billing. With SQL, that just gets layered on top and again ties into that per minute billing. Being able to leverage existing licenses, or in some cases, even purchasing licenses to have applied, can often provide some pretty significant savings. Azure Reserved Instances are where you pre commit to Microsoft for how long that particular resource is going to exist. So let's take a virtual machine for example. We know that we're going to this is going to be a staple or core of the business. It's going to be around long term. With reserved instances, we can pre-commit to Microsoft that this server is going to be around for at least the next year or three years. You still pay monthly, but for providing that that type of information, you can see a significant impact to cost. for, for Windows virtual machines, it could be 30 to 50% savings. For SQL, it's typically lower, than 15 to 20%. But this can have a large impact when you look across your entire environment and all the potential savings available to you. So the benefit here for Microsoft is by pre-committing, it helps them understand what their Azure data center utilization is gonna look like over time. And for providing that information, they do provide those cost incentives. Azure Migration Program. So Microsoft does have various programs to help fund and help augment services and such to help encourage customers to move to the cloud. And there are a number of different mechanisms there. When we look post migration, we have things like Azure Advisor, and this is probably one of your best friends in the Azure world. Really, this is a collection of a bunch of recommendations on how to better your environment, right? So it might include cost optimization. So things like shutting down idle resources, recommending reserved instances for particular VMs, and identifying what your cost savings may be. Azure Advisor will also provide security recommendations and a number of other things that Microsoft sort of automates and provides to you based off of best practice. Azure policies allow us to control what our environment is going to look like. Maybe we don't want our IT team being able to spin up virtual machines with 60 core cores and two terabytes of memory, right? With policies, we can put those constraints in place. Similarly, maybe if we're a North American or Canadian organization, we don't want our IT team to be able to spin up resources in Europe or Asia. These types of things can be built out or managed through Azure policies. And then lastly, Azure Cost Management. This is your in Azure tool to understand your billings, So each month you're going to get invoiced based off of your consumption through Azure Cost Management, you can drill down and understand where those costs are being derived from, you can understand what the remainder of the month is being forecasted at, you can set budgets, allocate spending, it gives you a great deal of flexibility and control to make sure that you truly understand where that cost is coming from and to ensure that you're receiving sufficient value. We talk about Azure benefits so one of the reasons that customers often look to azure is just the size and scale of what azure brings to the table right so azure is the largest cloud provider or covers more regions than pretty much any other cloud provider we're across 60 regions you can see hundreds of thousands of kilometers of cable or fiber and subsea cable we have different data centers available to us across pretty much every geography and this can be hugely beneficial for organizations that are disparate who have users maybe in the UK that they need to support or in South America or wherever users may be, having the flexibility of leveraging a solution like Azure with a back end connection between the data centers so we're not traversing the internet, we're using their dark fiber, can provide a much better experience for all of our different remote locations where it may not make sense to have them located in a single site. Even for those that do only have a single geography per se, there's also obviously a number of other benefits from scalability and security and redundancy and things of that nature as well. On the topic of security. So this is actually a topic or conversation that we see often. It's obviously an area of concern for most businesses is making sure that their environment is secure as possible. And while some organizations do take the viewpoint that they would rather have security completely under their control because they feel that it provides a better level of security. In fact, leveraging Microsoft's expertise and their existing investments in security can often make a lot of sense and improve your overall security posture. Microsoft spends over a billion dollars a year in, in, in security. They support over 3,500 analysts, managing trillions of signals a year. Microsoft is one of the most attacked entities on the, on the internet. I know at least a couple of years ago, they were number two the, behind the US Department of Defense. I don't know if that's changed at all, but they're still very high up there. They're very prominent. And all the learnings that they have from supporting their own environments are also leveraged to support their client-facing environment. So Office 365 and Azure. So we're able to take advantage of all those learnings and all those capabilities that they have built in, without having to make those without having to make those same investments ourselves. When we look at some of the different ways in which security can be applied, we have security management, right? so we can manage hybrid workloads. We can have that single pane of glass or single view to give us visibility across our disparate environment. Again, whether that's cloud, non-prem, or any of the other cloud service offerings, threat protection. So we do have a SIM within Azure, which is our Azure Sentinel. That gives us visibility into behavior within the environment to help us understand anomalous behavior or things that warrant further investigation with the intent that we can hopefully identify any sort of an intrusion early on and be able to tackle that before it becomes business impacting. And we leverage AI-driven analytics behind the scenes to help us understand what's normal for your business and what appears as anomalous. Identity and access So many of you I'm going to assume are probably in Office 365. So we have our Azure AD credentials. More and more, we're leveraging those cloud credentials to tie into additional services, whether Microsoft based or third party. Having a unified solution can make a lot of sense to help ensure that when you've got a single source of identity and that it's properly secured. From an apps and data security perspective, we have encryption for data, both at at rest and in transit. We have protect keys and secrets. So Azure does have their Azure Key Vault, which is basically a mechanism to store all these secrets and various keys in a secured fashion. Obviously much better than a sticky note on the monitor. And then lastly, from a network security perspective, we do have Azure Firewall, we have DDoS protection, and a number of other elements that are there to sit on the edge to help improve our overall internet facing security. Azure Hybrid, and this is actually gonna be one of our follow on sessions. I think our fourth class in December, we actually talk more about Azure Arc and Azure Hybrid in general. But this is Microsoft's solution to help provide that single management plane across all your disparate environments right so again whether you're Azure and on-prem AWS Google Cloud a VMware customer regardless of what that source environment is Azure Arc can be leveraged to provide a single management plane to support all these disparate environments it can also be leveraged to support IoT devices as those become more and more common within workspaces today when we talk about business continuity so you know, we will get into a slide a little bit later on, talking about great first projects or sort of common initiatives that we see. But for many customers who might not be ready to move into Azure immediately today, there still could be value that Azure brings to the table. Organizations that are still dependent on disk-based backup solution or, or something that is tied to on-prem and maybe tie back into a third-party Cloud, Azure Backup can take place of that and it makes it very simple. It allows for data encryption, multi-factor authentication, it's just it provides a really easy mechanism to provide a cloud-based backup solution to support your existing on-prem environment, as well as obviously Azure hosted environments. Azure Site Recovery is a dual-purpose tool. So we use it both for migration as part of Azure Migrate, but we also use it to provide disaster recovery. So as noted before, if you're an organization that is planning on building out a DR location or have that as a business requirement, or maybe even be looking at refreshing, building out infrastructure and investing a lot of capital in servers and storage and potentially power and cooling and all the rest to build an environment that you hopefully never have to use is not necessarily cost effective. Azure can provide a much less expensive solution. The nice thing with Azure Site Recovery is you're paying a fixed per server per month cost. Like right now it's $32 a server a month to back up that VM, along with storage costs. And that's obviously going to vary dependent upon the size of the disk that you're trying to replicate. But for a largely nominal cost, you can provide that same DR capability have all of the business critical or your entire server farm replicated into Azure to be able to do DR testing and have that failback mechanism built in. And this can often be a far more cost-effective solution. Again, for infrastructure, you hope you never need. And then lastly, we have our Azure Virtual WAN. So this is our mechanism to tie in all of our disparate branch offices, data centers, cloud locations. It's really just a means to manage all of our different remote locations. When we look at infrastructure within Azure, So Microsoft has done a great job of building sort of a wide range of Azure VM families that tie into specific business needs. So whether you need a simple entry-level VM or a general-purpose VM, whether you need something that's compute-intensive or memory-optimized or GPU-accelerated, all these are different families of compute that are available inside of Azure. And so you can build based off of the model that you specifically need to support that unique business case. Additionally, we have a wide range of disk capabilities, as you can see below, with varying IOP levels to meet both basic as well as the most demanding IOP needs. If we look to the right, so we do obviously support Windows, SQL, and Linux. We also have purpose-built solutions around VMware, SAP, Cray, and NetApp. On the topic of Linux and open source, many of us, when we think of Azure, there's the automatic assumption of sort of Microsoft operating system, but there's a very robust support for Linux and third-party solutions in Azure as well whether it's Red Hat, SUSE, Ubuntu, CentOS, or any of a couple of the other Linux providers, all of these are natively supported in Azure. There may be a requirement to have your Linux VM on a long-term service branch or LTSB build, just that can often be a requirement. But that being said, it's very easy to port the infrastructure to Azure and just support that within Azure itself. Same on the SQL front. Microsoft would obviously love you to be running Microsoft SQL Server. They recognize that's not always realistic or cost effective. So there is support in Azure for things like MySQL and MariaDB. We also have development elements built in, so things like Visual Studio Code, as well as fully managed cache services and such. All of these are open source type solutions that are available and can be integrated as part of your Azure solution. So if you are in a sort of a, an environment today where you have a mix of infrastructure, chances are the majority of it will likely be supported within an Azure environment. Azure Virtual Desktop. So this is actually gonna be our session in November as well, we're gonna deep dive into this. But Azure Virtual Desktop is really your VDI style solution, right? So some organizations may have remote desktop services or RDS servers today, may leverage Citrix or VMware to provide remote desktop services. Others really don't have a solution at all today. Azure Virtual Desktop is a great product to provide that remote capabilities while being able to lock it down extensively. Again, because this is built in the Azure portal, through a couple of clicks, we can easily deploy our Azure Virtual Desktop environment. And that allows us to deploy and scale within minutes. It is the only solution for a multi-session Windows ten or eleven desktop. And so with remote, excuse me, with remote desktop services, we're looking at a server-based operating system. Same with Citrix and VMware, we're typically looking at server-based OSs. or if we're going to provide a full client experience, so a Windows Ten or a Windows eleven experience, it's often a personal desktop in a one-to-one scenario. With Azure Virtual Desktop, while we do support that one-to-one scenario as well, We also have the ability to stack users. And this can be a cost-effective means of providing a remote desktop experience to a wide range of users with a smaller amount of desktops that we need to support from an IT perspective. Azure Virtual Desktop or AVD also includes optimizations for Microsoft 365 for Apps for Enterprise. So Outlook and Teams and OneDrive, there are enhancements built into the product to support those cloud initiatives. As Microsoft recognizes, if you're looking at a cloud-based virtual desktop, likely you've made the investment in Office 365 as well. And then lastly, for those customers who already have an existing remote desktop services solution, there is the ability to actually port that that environment into Azure Virtual Desktop. So you'd still be running remote desktop services, but you'd be leveraging the Azure AVD or Azure Virtual Desktop framework. Reasons you might wanna consider doing this, probably one of the key ones is, is security. So one of the nice things that Microsoft provides is with an AVD solution, you are really only worried about managing the actual servers or desktops themselves, user access and applications. Everything else is supported by Microsoft. So when you look at internet facing components like brokers and gateways and things like that, Microsoft is actually providing that as part of their own cloud services. It's not something you need to manage or support. This can simplify implementations for RDS for customers who have that challenge today. The other benefit is with traditional RDS environments, we're typically opening up port 3389 to allow remote access into our server environment. As I'm sure many of you are aware, this has caused issues in the past with denial of, serv- denial of service attacks and other challenges and exploits. So one of the nice things that, that Azure provides with AVD is there are no ports that are open to the Internet. So in order to access your remote desktop, or your remote application, you authenticate into Azure, and then Azure presents your desktop or your applications back to you. So there's no ports opening, which means that your attack surface profile is reduced dramatically. And I said, we do get into this in more detail in our November session, where we'll spend our hour talking about AVD specifically. Azure App Services. So many times when we look at or consider moving from on-prem to Azure, our focus is really around VMs, right? Because that's what we've known in the past. So for that, we consider IaaS or Internet Infrastructure as a Service. But we also have what's called PaaS or platform as a service offering. We're able to move away from the artificial constraints of a VM and just consume the services we need from Azure. Azure App Services is a great example of that. So if you have web applications that you need to be able to support, traditionally with a virtual machine, you're managing from the OS up. So OS, patching, IIS, and then your web services on top of that. And there's obviously maintenance required to be able to support that type of an environment. With Azure App Services, you're really only focused on your website. Microsoft is providing the backend infrastructure. They're basically essentially providing the IS services or the web services to you in which you're publishing your web application. You have built in things like load balancing and infrastructure maintenance. You have built in auto scaling. So if you have a, an application that maybe bursts burst periodically, maybe month end or as sales occur, whatever the situation may be, rather than having to worry about sizing a virtual machine appropriately to handle that, we have that auto scaling built in. And then we also have automation and other components that can help make this a more streamlined experience, similar with SQL. So we obviously do support IaaS or traditional SQL virtual machines that we can lift and shift from on-prem, but we also have PaaS offerings around SQL managed instances and SQL databases. And again, the benefit here is it's moving you away from the artificial constraints of a virtual machine, right? So that as your usage varies over the course of the month, you're paying based off of that usage. This can be hugely beneficial, especially for applications that burst, right? So let's, if we look at an accounting application, for example, where maybe the first 25, 26 days of the month, we idle along at a relatively low, low requirement from a CPU and and memory perspective. But as we get to month end or quarter end or year end, there's a lot more activity. And so we get a peak of performance that's required. With a virtual machine, even though that peak might only be three days out of the month, we need to build that virtual machine to support that peak which means the majority of the month, you're paying for resources you're not really using because you're idling along at a much lower level. By moving to a PaaS solution, it allows us to scale up and scale down based off the needs at the moment and just pay for the resources that we need to consume without paying for all those additional resources we can't really take advantage of. Migrating to Azure. So when we talk to customers about how best to step into Azure, there are a number of different use cases or common projects that we often see. First, we have our traditional Windows and SQL server probably pretty obvious. So for some customers, they will take low hanging fruit. So things that are maybe single service solutions or non-business critical and start to transition those to Azure, both to get a level of comfort as well as to free up resources on-prem. Other customers who might have a, a need for a net new application that is essentially resource intensive and just don't have the capacity on-prem to support that, Azure can going to be a great, a great solution there as it gives you essentially unlimited resources to build up whatever you need to support the business without all the potential delays and everything else that we see with traditional physical infrastructure today. The same is true with Linux and open source databases. Again, they behave and the expectation is very similar to what we have with Windows and SQL. DevTest. So for those organizations that have developers, DevTest Labs within Azure can be a fantastic solution. So IT still has the ability to put a box around the sandbox that developers get, So you can limit how many VMs a developer can deploy or how many CPU cores they have access to, or you can put those types of constraints in place for the types of VMs that they're allowed to build. But once you've built that framework, each individual developer can have their own sandbox and they can work uninterrupted. They can spin up VMs, they can tear down VMs, they can do whatever they need to do to be productive within the constraints that you've already predefined within the lab itself. This can be a great solution for providing the resources necessary to to developers, again, without maintaining a large on-prem infrastructure component to support our dev work. Web apps, we've already talked through a bit. Again, whether we're migrating across a virtual machine or we're looking to take advantage of those PaaS offerings, Azure can be a great candidate to support that. Same with SAP, VMware, NetApp, Oracle, all these specialized workloads. Because we have native integration with Azure, these can be good candidates as well. And then lastly, VDI, which is our Azure Virtual Desktop scenario. So finding us a better mechanism to support our remote workforce, which for most of us are going to continue to exist for probably forever at this point. When we talk about migrating workloads to Azure, as noted, Azure Migrate is really our one-stop shop for all of our associated services. So if we were to take an example here of a line of business application, a traditional web and application layer, and then a data layer. You can see regardless of where your host is, whether it's Hyper-V, VMware, AWS, Google Cloud, or any other source, we can leverage Azure Migrate to migrate those virtual machines into Azure as is. And this is what we would consider a lift and shift. If you're a VMware customer and have your own on-prem VMware environment, and you want to be able to extend that out to Azure, we do have VMware tools available that allow you to basically extend the existing VMware environment that you have to leverage those Azure resources as well to be able to support the needs where you might need to shift a workload from on-prem to the cloud. VDI is noted if you're if you already have an existing RDS environment or you have VMware Zen or Citrix Horizon, there is value in Azure Virtual Desktop or Microsoft's VDI. If you're RDS customer, remote desktop services, we can migrate those workloads into Azure as noted. If you're leveraging VMware and Citrix, there are hybrid options available to continue to support the investment that you've made in Citrix or VMware, but take advantage of some of the advanced capabilities that AVD brings to the table. And then when we look at .NET applications, so again, this is an example of where we had that web and application layer up front, with a data layer behind. In this scenario, we're looking to leverage Azure's platform as a service or PaaS offerings, right? So as part of our migration process, when we're migrating workloads from on-prem to the cloud, we can choose whether we want to migrate the VM as is or as part of that migration, do we want to start looking at things like Azure App Services and Azure SQL and include that as part of the migration process itself? And again, Azure Migrate helps support all of these as well. When We talk about investments to lower migration costs. So there's a couple different things to keep in mind or that are available. One is Microsoft's cloud adoption framework. So actually our first class in September was specifically around cloud adoption framework. But the intent of this is to provide guidance to customers who are looking to explore Azure. As I'm sure you can imagine, many organizations who step into Azure, if you were to manage an Azure environment for a year, if you were to look back on day one, chances are you would deploy things quite differently than you actually did just because you don't know what you don't know. The cloud adoption framework is designed to ask the questions that you don't necessarily know to ask to ensure that you actually have a proper framework in place and something that's going to support not only your business needs today, but also your evolving business needs over time. Microsoft provides their migration program and fast track for Azure. So these are mechanisms to either provide resources or funding or access to partners or specialized engineering resources to help you along your journey. And lastly, Azure Migrate, which is again our single hub for migrating all of our different resources. Quickly touching on the Cloud Adoption Framework or CAF, you can see it's really designed to take you from your very first stages, your pre-migration activities. So understanding what what the strategy is for the business, what the core objectives are for the business, what success looks like for the business, and allowing that to filter into how you plan and then how to actually deploy Azure. This can be a hugely beneficial component. It's like I said, it does encourage customers to have the conversations they don't necessarily know they need to make sure that as you're building Azure, you're building it right from day one, which is obviously far easier than trying to retrograde or fix things further down the road once Azure has been put into production. Azure Migrate, so we've talked a little bit about, total. So it's really our one-stop shop. It gives us that central hub for managing all of our different migration activities, whether it's servers, databases, data, web apps, virtual desktops, all that can be managed on the umbrella, under the umbrella of Azure Migrate. It also takes us through the entire migration journey, from discovery through assessment through migration, and does allow for integration with third-party tools. And one of the key benefits is that centralized visibility. Right? It's that single pane of glass to give you visibility into what's happening across, likely multiple streams of Azure migration. As you can imagine for most customers, moving to Azure is not a a single step process. It's not, I've got a free lunch hour, let's move to Azure. There's a whole lot of elements built into that. There's typically application prioritization and mapping and such. And so you can have multiple streams at varying stages through your journey. Having a single pane of glass like Azure Migrate can really simplify that process. So within Azure Migrate, you can see we have a number of Microsoft native tools, which are the ones along the top. So things like Data Migration Assistant, Data Box, Cost Management Advisor, these are all Microsoft solutions that are available as part of, of Azure Migrate. I did manage to pick the one example, uh, Azure Data Box, actually, that does have some cost for the storage component. But all of these are available to you to work under the Azure Migrate uh, banner to migrate workloads, regardless of what those workloads are to Azure. Microsoft has a pretty robust ecosystem for managing Azure migrations. There are still likely going to be third party or use cases that are non standardized that may require a third party solution. Or maybe you already have an existing investment in something like CloudMize or Lakeside Labs. So these types of tools will also natively integrate in with Azure Migrate. So again, you're still being able to take advantage of the the feature set that tool provides, but tying it back into Azure Migrate to give us that single pane of glass. As part of cloud adoption framework, Microsoft actually provides a number of tools and templates and such to help guide the conversation. One of the ones that we encourage customers to look at when you're trying to explore sort of your Azure readiness is the strategic migration assessment and readiness tool or SMART. And this will basically take you through a series of questions to help you understand where you are from a readiness perspective across a number of different categories. So this can help an organization understand where you're well positioned for Azure today and where there's still room for growth to give you the opportunity to catch up on those or address those issues before you actually start stepping into your migration project itself. One of the things that we always encourage customers to take into account, no migration is ever linear or simple. There's a lot of complexity involved with an Azure migration, and this is often why it can make sense to engage engage a partner or Microsoft or somebody to facilitate. There's a number of different components that need to be taken into consideration. Some customers recognize that this is a complex and again, multi-stage environment, Others don't necessarily recognize the, the technical complexity and therefore have unrealistic expectations. Right? But it's important to note this is a complex process and there are a number of moving parts in order to make the journey successful. Okay. And thank you everyone. Hopefully today's session has been useful.
0: And that wraps up this enlightening episode of What the Tech? Today we delve deep into the nuances of migrating to Azure. From understanding why businesses are shifting to exploring the benefits of an efficient cloud migration strategy, we hope you're now better equipped to navigate the cloud landscape. But don't go away just yet. Next time, we're moving on to our third episode in the infrastructure series, Episode 3, Desktop Experiences, Azure Virtual Desktop, and Windows 365. Dive into the future of remote work and discover how Azure is revolutionizing the desktop experience. Until then, keep teching and see you in the next episode.